Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to the Casting Across Fly Fishing Podcast. I'm Matthew of castingacross.com, where I explore the quarry and culture of fly fishing. Thank you once again for listening to the Casting Cross Fly Fishing Podcast. This is the 68th episode. And I just wanted to mention something I mentioned before, and that is I absolutely enjoy getting feedback. Uh, emails I've gotten this week have been little highlights. I got so much other great things going on in life, my family, my job, all those things. But it's always so fun to get emails about something I've said on the podcast or written about on the website. So if you have any curiosity about anything that I've mentioned or you want my opinion on something, it truly is that, just an opinion, don't hesitate to reach out. In two episodes and the 70th episode of the podcast, I'll be doing another fly fishing accusations, which is my way of doing listener feedback and reader feedback from the website. So if you have any questions, comments, anything you want me to interact with, I'd be happy to do that. So definitely send that in, Matthew at castingacross.com. Today I'm going to talk about something I'm planning. So I can't give too many details because it's a secret stream. And I know it's not a secret stream. It's in suburbia for goodness sakes. But in my mind, it's a lot more fun and I have a lot less anxiety when I think about this little stream as being secret. The reason being is it is a native brook trout population that is naturally reproducing within a pretty close drive of me. Now, there's a lot of options, and if you were to try to triangulate my location, I could throw you off my scent very easily because within about half an hour, I could be in three different states. I can't give you any more details than that. But this is a naturally reproducing brook trout population that this particular state's conservation folk think haven't been bothered with stocked fish. So it's a really cool resource, and there is awesome angling opportunities. It's a robust enough population where I feel no guilt whatsoever about catching these fish. And, of course, treating them very, very gently and making sure they get back in the water and all of those caveats. But 
I have no problem fishing there whatsoever. And so I would go here maybe once a month if I could, even just for an hour, just to catch a couple of brookies, admire them, let them go back in the water, and just get my little brook trout fix relatively close to home. Well, the last time I went, I actually wasn't going to fish because it was right at the height of the spawn. So I didn't want to fish, didn't want to mess with them while they were doing their thing. So I just brought my camera. I wanted to get some stock photography for the website, maybe even catch some brookies doing their little mating dance with uh, my camera lens. It didn't materialize primarily because my parking spot, the place I would always park off of the side road to be right next to the stream, had a bunch of no trespassing signs. And it was that obnoxious one on every tree kind of posting. To be fair, if I was that landowner and there was some moron littering on my property or breaking bottles or playing their music too loud, I might do the same thing. But it was very clear that I was not to park there. And so I had to figure out where I was going to go. There was no other clear options around. I finally ended up finding a place I could kind of pull off the side of the road a couple hundred yards down from where I wanted to enter the stream. It wasn't ideal. My little Mazda 5 is not the best off-road vehicle. I actually almost got stuck a couple days ago. Totally different stream, totally different story, but that was relatively harrowing being as remote as I was. All that to say... I'm planning to go back in the very near future. So what I did is something that I want to talk about today, and I realize we're four minutes in and you're, you've endured this long preamble, and so I appreciate you sticking with me, because this is what I think might be beneficial to you, and this is where the title of the episode kind of comes into focus, and that is, what are some non-traditional ways you can find access to streams that you either know have fish or that you want to explore that have fish? Another thing that I think is worth mentioning is that there's another podcast that I've recorded that kind of touches on this issue, and that's episode 13 called Finding Your Own Water, and it has a higher level kind of look at ways to locate new spots that might not be your traditional angling spots, but this I want to take a little bit of a different approach because a lot of times there's water that we know we can fish, but getting to it is one of the difficult things. So depending on where you live, the first thing that you need to check is the fishing game or the wildlife department's rules and regulations. Obviously, if there's fish in there, but you're not supposed to fish there, that is going to rule that out completely. Now, whether you should or shouldn't, what, however you feel about the laws, that is neither here nor there. I mean, that's a totally different subject. Same thing is to be said for access rights, and we're going to kind of talk about not circumventing that, but how to work within the law to access the water, but there are plenty of states and plenty of localities that have different rights and regulations as it relates to getting on the water. Some states you can be on the stream bank up to flood stage and be totally fine. Other states you can be in the water and you're okay and you can only get out of the water if you're having an emergency or something like that and then still other states and places there is no option you can't be in the water you can't be touching the stream bottom you can't be navigating it and a lot of this goes back to archaic hundred and hundred year old rules and land rights that were granted by the king of england 
actually for real. You have to check what the policy is in not just your state, but in your locality. And if your fish and game department or whatever it's called in your state has a pretty comprehensive guide to fly fishing or fishing, I should say in general, then this information might be there. If not, you're going to have to do a little bit more work. But generally speaking, a lot of the popular spots, the access points are going to have all this spelled out for you, either by the state agency, by a Trout Unlimited chapter, by somebody who stocks it, or even by that landowner. And you want to respect those things. And I would say it's so important that even if you have some principled opposition towards people keeping you off of a stream or off of their property, if it's by a stream or any of those things, then it's not a fight between you and that person. I hope you can appreciate that. It's it's you as a representative of not just fly fishers, but fishers and outdoors people. And really to that person, it might just be people in general, where they do not want people on their property who are giving them attitude. And if you give them attitude, then that is going to further their resolve to keep people away. Okay, so how do you get on water? That's what you're waiting for. Well, here's what I'm doing for this particular piece of water that I've been thinking about, and I think it might be beneficial. Pull up your Google Maps, and then find that town, find that municipality's tax assessment mapping service. Almost everyone that I've ever looked for is online these days. In the states that I access regularly, you can find these. Then what you're able to do is very, very easily find the precise boundaries of public access. Now, I'll give you an example from the stream I'm looking at. There is a conservation easement that you can park on and access the stream from there. And once you're on the stream, you can go upstream and downstream as far as you want. So that is access point number one. There's another town forest that gives me another access point. And then thirdly, there's another municipal spot of ground. I think there's a old cemetery on one part, and I think there's like a town dumping site on the other part. But all three of those spots not only have stream access, but there's parking opportunities there. And I got curious, is this just this stream or is this other streams? I found another few catch and release fly fishing only waters that I've been to. And I started looking at those tax assessment maps and I found more access points. Now, there might not be great trails. It might not be a great spot to pull your car off the side of the road, especially if you don't have four wheel drive. It might not even be the best idea based upon the people who could assume that that land is either their land or that they just don't want anybody near their land. So, I mean, all of those things are caveats and, and things that you have to think about. But when you do this, you actually are opening up more opportunities for you to get on water that you already fish. So instead of parking by the road that you normally park at and walking a mile to a spot, you might be able to find a spot where there's access because of that town or that city or that locality's public land, and you can hop on much quicker and much easier. But it's a really great thing in theory. Of course, in practice, it's all going to depend on where you are. But what this does is it allows you to think outside the box, gets you away from those heavily trafficked areas. And honestly, a lot of these spots where even if it's a fly fishing only regulated area, there's going to be more pressure and more poaching 
at the easy access spots. It's just the way it is. Even the best game wardens aren't going to be able to surveil a place 24-7. And so the further you can get away from those access spots that everybody else uses, the better chances you're going to get into fish that haven't been bothered. Does that mean that you're never going to find a styrofoam worm container? No, you're going to run to that wherever you go. It's just the nature of what we do. But you're also going to reduce the chances that you're going to be on top of other people or fishing over fish that have been fished over very recently by other people. The next thing that you're going to find when you start looking at these maps is the amount of detail that they show. These assessment maps that are primarily used for tax purposes are going to show every body of water because these are oftentimes the similar maps to what they use for things like determining if your property or if structures on your property are in the floodplain or the streams themselves are the actual boundary markers between two properties. So even if it is just a trickle, it's not some major river, it's not even a large creek, these little tiny trickles show up on these maps. And today I found for this particular stream that I'm gonna be heading towards in the near future, some water that was on this assessment map that wasn't on the Google map, both in the terrain view as well as the satellite view. So I actually have more information about tributaries. Now I know there's other options in the spring and the fall where I might be able to go after these fish that I would have never known unless I just walked the stream. Now walking the stream is fun. Discovering things on your own is a great thing to do. But if you are trying to do a little bit of reconnaissance from your computer, from your home, sitting in your office, this is a great thing to do. And these little streams and even the distinguishing between what's really swamp and what's really creek. And up here in New England, we have that problem where something looks like a stream on Google Maps maybe, and then you show up and there's a stream in the fact that there's moving water that is going in front of you, but really it's a swamp. And getting to that water with anything other than a water craft from some point you access very far upstream or downstream is nearly impossible. So these maps are marking where there is wetlands and where there's a actual clear stream bank. Very helpful. Again, you know, not that you can't explore, but if you want to maximize your chances, then accessing a map like this, either online or if you really want to get intense about it, you can go to your town office, city hall, whatever it might be, and they have these maps on file and you can look at them, probably make copies of them, and uh, then you have that as a resource where you can really look and see where can I get on the water, what sort of features do we have? Who are the property owners? Now, this is the last thing I think I'll touch on as it relates to this topic. If you know who a property owner is, it can do a couple things for you. The first thing is you can ask that person if you can fish on their property. There's nothing wrong with that. I've done it before and it's always been to great results. I've never had anybody say no. The only no's I've gotten is because people haven't been home when I've gone and knocked on the door and gone to ask them. But just be pleasant, be kind. It's common sense, but these days I feel like you need to reiterate those things. And you can say, hey, I noticed that you have some property that borders this stream. I fly fish. I practice catch and release. If I find any litter, I'll take it out. I'm not going to bring my friends back. I'll always ask before I fish. What do you think? 
And I'm sure you've heard that a million times before, but I don't think many anglers do that. I know I don't do it as much as I probably should, knowing the spots I wish I was fishing that were on people's property. And instead of saying, eh, I'll talk to that person, I'll say, I'll just go park where I always park and walk down here. So that's the first thing. The second thing that it will do is ease your conscience. Now, I'm not saying that you need to be ready to fight and have this map in your back pocket. And if somebody comes and challenges you, you can say, no, I'm on public land. See, check this out. But it can give you that peace of mind knowing I am where I should be. You shouldn't go looking for a fight. But in the worst case scenario of some sort of conflict, then you have some form of proof that you are doing what you should be doing. This might not be the best thing to do if somebody is coming after you to hold up a map in their face and say, hey, I am where I'm supposed to be and where I'm allowed to be. But having that is better than not having it if you are kind of walking that line. Now, some people, some of you listening, might live in places where this isn't even a thing, where you can just fish anywhere and everywhere you want. But for a lot of people, there are angling opportunities that are right around the corner that involve a little bit more creative access. And this is true East Coast, West Coast. This is true trout. This is true bass. And I think that is the the, the other thing that you have to remember is that this isn't just a trout situation, but this very same concept can kind of get blown up for smallmouth bass, for carp. I would say that carp water is, is a really great thing to seek out in creative ways because the fast river is not where they're going to be but you find that old canal or you find the maybe the oxbow that is a little bit off the side of the river and it's going to be in someone's backyard but it very well may be property that's owned by a railroad or there may be some sort of conservation easement or something like that and you can access it perhaps by a long walk or maybe even just by parking on the side of the road And you can get to a spot like that and have access to water that is just spectacular that otherwise you'd have to hop in a boat and take a boat from a boat ramp all the way down and then anchor your boat and then walk anyway. So I've done that myself where I have found spots that I've had to walk a little bit, but the other option again is boating for miles and just finding a little bit of creative access. Where does the conservation trust have trails or whatever? And you can find your way to more water. So Just an idea for you to think as you are planning out your spring fishing or even as you're getting into places where you can fish now. For me, it's a great option to get out in the wintertime where you can see your line of sight goes a lot further. In the springtime, you don't know if you're walking towards the creek or away from the creek. There's been times in the springtime where I think I found the creek and I've been fishing this little trickle and then I realize... This is just a little tributary. I actually should have gone a little bit to the right, but because the foliage was so dense, I never found my way to it. So in the wintertime, it's great because you're able to see a lot more of what's around you. It presents all of the same challenges that winter fly fishing would anyway, in the sense that you're creating a greater profile, the fish's metabolism aren't going as strong, and everything else that that goes into winter fly fishing. But you're at least able to see a whole lot more of what's around you, and that will pay off dividends once all those underbrush and trees and everything else comes in in the springtime. Any other ideas about creative access? Let me know. Again, don't get in fights with landowners, even if they're not really landowners. It's not anybody's benefit to get into a fight in the middle of the woods. And secondly, respect local laws, both for stream access as well as fishing. And that just goes without saying. But again, common sense is not always easy to find these days. This week on castingacross.com, the first article is called, I Don't Hunt Anymore. I love being outside. 
I love watching deer and squirrels and turkey, and I don't mind watching them with a rifle or a bow in my hand. However, I don't get that opportunity a lot anymore, and that was a very conscious decision in one respect. So I don't hunt anymore was Monday's article on castingacross.com. Wednesday's article was called Brookies at the Ballpark. I came across a really cool ad on Twitter, and that was for the Altoona Curves June promotion, which is that they're going to rebrand temporarily just for the weekend as the Altoona Brookies. And so if you go to the website, you'll see the cap. They're going to have a cap, a a jersey, a bunch of other stuff going on for this promotion, and they're going to be brook trout. So they're going to be called the Brookies. In Pennsylvania, the brook trout is a state fish. I'm happy they're going with the brook trout, not some ubiquitous rainbow trout, which is kind of the generic trout that people think of. But they're keying in on our East Coast native char, and they're going to have a whole promotion around it, which is certainly going to draw in some support for the team from anglers and people that just like fun things, as well as support for a local nonprofit that helps with hunger and homelessness. So it's definitely worth checking out. It's a really cool logo on a great hat, and it makes me so happy that it's not navy and red. So many baseball teams, so many minor league baseball teams are navy and red, but the Altoona Brookies are going to be a little bit brighter than that. This week's recommendation on castingacross.com is Panfish on the Fly's Triangle Bug. So I've mentioned Panfish on the Fly before on the podcast. They have an awesome fly called the triangle bug. It's a simple topwater fly that is tied with only three materials and thread, and it creates a great profile for bluegill and small bass and anything else that lives in warm water streams. I've actually tied larger ones I've used for mice for trout. So it's a great fly, and you can buy online on panfishonthefly.com on the website. You can buy kits for tying these. So why buy a kit for a simple topwater bug? Well, a few reasons. First of all, you're going to get the hooks that make this thing work, and they are a hook with a little bit of a hitch that goes horizontal on the shank of the hook. And you'll see that if you head to panfishonthefly.com. Most popper hooks have a little bump that goes vertical oriented along with the hook bend and the point. This one goes horizontal. And so for a horizontal body for this fly, it keeps it from kiltering and going side to side, which leads to line getting tangled and the thing actually getting submerged rather than skittering across the top when you pull it. So you're going to get some of these hooks, you're going to get some foam and other tying material, but what really makes this fly special is how easy it is to tie and how it is perfectly sized for the mouth of a bluegill. The wide head on this is going to keep them from ingesting it, so you can catch them fish after fish after fish and it's not going to get torn up from you having to put your pliers down the throat of some sort of panfish but it's also going to protect the panfish that you do catch now right now they're sold out as the time of my recording this they're sold out of the foam cutters but there's a good chance they'll be back in stock in the near future so definitely bookmark the page for the triangle bug kit you might be able to get the kit that includes the cutter now the cutter is a precision engineered diamond pattern that you can stamp into your foam, any foam color of your choice, to create the perfect size diamond that then gets put on the fly, folded over to become that triangle. Why have the perfect size? Well, let me tell you, I have the imperfect size, and what does that do? It makes the thing list to the left or to the right. It makes it either dive like a a lip, 
or ride so high that it doesn't create as much disturbance on the water as possible. You might say, that's a whole lot of thought that goes into a panfish fly. Well, the reality is if you tie a couple of these really well, have a whole box full of them in different colors, they're going to last you all season because they're super durable, super high floating, and again, the way that they're tied, they're not going to get mangled by fish mouths and by pliers. So panfishonthefly.com, definitely check out the complete triangle bug kit with the cutter. It's a great little fly that I've had a lot of success with. I love to fish it. My boys love to fish it. It is an all-purpose warm water fly. Thanks for listening to the Casting Cross Fly Fishing Podcast. Please subscribe in your favorite podcast app and rate the podcast in iTunes. Then head over to castingacross.com where you'll find more info on this podcast and three posts a week on the people, places, and things that go into the pursuit of fish. Mm-hmm.